Hi Lifehouse, so happy to have you here joining us this morning. My name is Jacob and we are currently in the middle of our Love Handles series, which is a full week series on love. Get comfortable, get your pen and paper as we're about to dive in to this morning's message. Thank you so much for sharing Serenity. Shout out to all the mums, man. I know it's not Mother's Day, but let's give them a shout out and a round of applause. You do so much, carry so much, can't even, can't even fathom. Well, we are just beginning a brand new month. There is brand new weather in the air, other than the weird hail thing that happened on Tuesday. Um, we've got some, some hot weather in the air. We've got a new season, a new series. It's called Love Handles. Turn to someone around you who's got some love handles. No, <laughs> don't do that. Honestly, this title, man. I, I've um, been happily married for six months, so, you know, um, woo, woo, woo. They thought, who's the most experienced at the moment with love? Oh, yes, let's put her on for the first week. That was the train of thought. Just kidding. Um, both Josh and Mark left me this week, so um, I had to prepare the me- No, I got to prepare the message for this morning. But welcome back, Holly and Mark. Hope you had a fantastic time. Over in Fiji, wow, it's pretty special. And hello to Josh and Belle all the way in Cambodia. It's about 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, so hello to all the friends watching as well. We hope that you uh, enjoy this morning and enjoying your time away. Well, um, over this series, we're really trying to break down love a little bit and talk quite practically. How do we get a handle on love? Um, and so, yeah, I'm starting off. Mark's next week. We're going to be hearing from Josh and from Jacob as well. Uh, we're each going to be taking a different kind of aspect of love. And this morning, I felt to speak probably a little bit more generally um, in terms of how we love each other as the church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know if you have given your life to Jesus that you are a child of God? You are legally adopted by our Heavenly Father. You are a child of God. So even if you were born a single child, even if all your family is overseas or interstate right now, This morning, you are surrounded by many brothers and sisters who love you, who support you. We are standing, well, I'm standing, we're sitting this morning as one big family of God. Isn't that amazing? If you need any scriptures to back it, I've got a few here. John 1, it's honestly everywhere. I just had to pick a few. John 1, 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, who's received and believed in the name of Jesus? Anyone this morning? He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, Daddy, God. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So you are God's children. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you received him, you are legal sons and daughters of our daddy God. Amen. Everyone feels slightly uncomfortable when I say that, but it's, it's the Bible. That's what's in the Bible. Daddy, God, that's it. 
We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, one family. So turn to someone next to you, say, hey, bro, hey, sis. You know, this might make people feel uncomfortable, but husbands, when you said I do to your wife, you were saying I do to your sister, right? When, when wives, you said yes to marrying your husband, you were saying yes to marrying your brother, right? It, it's true. We are actually all brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm saying that to say that this word this morning, this is for everyone. This is for all relationships, relationships that you might have um, with friends, with family, with your spouse, and I pray that it speaks to you. And if this morning you haven't made that decision, you're not yet in the family of God, you haven't given your life over to Jesus, I pray that you do not discount what we're saying because God is creator and he created you, he created me, he created relationships, and he knows how they work, he knows when they work best. In fact, the Word of God has got so much stuff in it about how to have fruitful, blessed relationships. And so, rather than just, you know, living our lives based upon um, how we saw relationships from our parents or from uh, the culture around us, we should be getting that from the Word of God. He is creator. He knows the way that we're wired. He teaches us the way we're meant to love and relate with one another. Amen. So my prayer this morning, it's Paul's prayer to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 1 verse 9, it says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross all those years ago so that we could be legal brothers and sisters with you. Father, I just pray this morning that you speak to us in a mighty way. We just want to focus on your word this morning and ask, Lord, that you'll kind of shake off anything that might not be of God, that you align our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our living, our thinking, our doing with that of yours, Lord Jesus. We just ask for a refinement this morning. I thank you, Father, that you are a good father and that when you bring correction, that you bring it in the best way. So if there's any correction that's needed, Lord, we just want to say, have your way. We are your kids. Uh, we know that if you correct us, it really means that you love us. And so, God, we just ask that you'll do a mighty work in our hearts this morning as your children. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. 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 So, how do we get a handle on love? How do we love people? Who knows that sometimes it's a little bit hard to love people, right? Sometimes it's hard to really get a handle on love. Back in 2016, I had a little dream in my heart to own a beautiful, red, shining Vespa. My dream was to ride that thing around Murray Bridge with the wind flowing in my hair, going around to Coles, you know. Where else do we go in Murray Bridge? Um, I don't church, going to church, visiting my friends, going to the bunyip, 
doing a Sturts cruise with this little red shine and Vespa. So 2016, again, it was about a time of a CRC conference. I preached two weeks ago and said, all good things have a, happen at CRC conferences. This was maybe one of them. Um, we went and visited, um, yeah, on the way to this conference, I saw this bike that was for sale on Gumtree and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, you know, this could be the bike for me. And um, I remember showing Pastor Josh and he's like, that's really close to Seton where we're going. Let's go check it out. And so we did. We rocked up and I met this man called Damien who owned this beautiful shining bike and he loved this bike. I still don't know why. He was selling it because he just seemed to have this real infatuation with it. Like he kind of looked like he was the type of guy who would have, you know, polished it with his own sweat and spit every day, just shining that thing up. Like he he loved it. And so he got there and he told me a bit about the bike and the thought was, you know, you should probably give it a test drive. And I'm like, well, probably should mention I've never ridden a bike before. I've never, I've, I've ridden a push bike. I mean, I fell, fallen off many times of those. But, um, you know, I've never actually ridden a, a scooter or a motorbike or anything. And they're like, oh, you'll be fine. What could go wrong? So they teach me a little bit about this scooter. And interesting fact for those who don't know, someone designed scooters to have like the throttle, which makes you go fast and speed up on the handles, right? Yeah. And where are the brakes? The exact same place on the handles there. Like, what design is that? Anyway, they're like, chuck me on it, put a helmet on my head, and um, I started going off. I'm a country gal already. I'm a little bit nervous driving somewhere in the city on something I've never driven before all by myself. And um, I was going on a straight road, and I was living my dream. My hair was flowing, and it was, you know, you heard the, like, they have a really weird sound vest because they're like a wasp. It's like, like, so I was riding along, um, all going good until I got to a corner, right? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Corners, sometimes they're a little bit hard to drive around, right? Curbs just seem to jump out at us sometimes. It's not our fault. It's, it's definitely the road's fault. And so I was like, ooh, corner and curb. And these curbs were honestly, this is not a joke, probably the heart of the stage. Like, they were mammoth her- herbs, curbs, curbs. Spicy. <laughs> um, and so I was like, wow, this, I, need a, I need to slow down. So what do I do? I grab the handles. I need to slow down, grab the handles. But what happens? I speed up and I'm like, I'm speeding up. So I grab the handles harder. And soon I come crashing into the side of these mammoth curbs, bike splatters, crashes against it. I fly off onto the grass. I was fine. Bike, not so much. I heard a scrape. Um, and to make matters worse, I um, was like, oh, quickly, you know, I need to just uh, get back on my bike and go back and tell them what I've done. And I didn't turn the bike off. I grabbed the bike again by the handles and it goes whizzing, scratching along this curb, jumping like a couple of metres along the curb. I'm like, I am dead. I am absolutely dead. Somehow I get back on the bike and I do a ride of shame and somehow Josh managed to capture this ride of shame. I'm going to show you a video in just a second um, of me riding this bike. But take note, you can't see the scratch side. So what they're saying to me, Damien and Josh, they're saying thinking that I had a successful ride, but you might be able to see in my, hear in my tone of voice. It's really blurry. Sorry about that. Have you got that there, Austin? Awesome. Look, 
you end up finding it? You can't hear what I'm saying there, but I was like, I can't really find where the blinkers are trying to make up an excuse. Um, and they're like, did you find it? And then you, you could see me turning, not using my blinkers, saying, well, so it was not my finest moment. Who knows? Like that bike, hard to handle. Love can sometimes be a little hard to handle. Sometimes we come across someone who just really irks us, irritates us, and we're like, oh, how do I handle this person? How can I love this person, my brother and sister in Christ, with the love of God when they just know how to infuriate me? Or maybe when someone hurts you, says something insensitive and rude, like how do we love people? How do we, as children of God, handle love? Love can be a little hard to handle sometimes. But this morning I felt to look not just at the fruit or what flowers from a good, healthy relationship, but kind of zoom out and see what it takes to build that, what it takes to really get a good handle on love and see fruitful, blessed relationships with other people. Because sometimes I feel like we can do a little bit, a bit of comparing. And if we've got that first image, if, if um, love is a bit like a flower, you know, we can look at that. We can look at relationships other people have and see this marriage and say, wow, that is just amazing. They just spend so much time together. They just always seem like they're so in love. Or you might look at a family and you're like, wow, they're always going on holidays together. They just don't seem to get sick of each other. Like I just, they seem to work so well as a family. I just, I just want that or that friendship group. They just, you know, they got their own thing going on and they love each other. I just, I want that. But rather than just looking at what flowers from a healthy relationship, this morning I felt God say, let's zoom out a little bit. Let's take a look at the roots. Let's take a look at the foundation, what it takes to build a healthy, flourishing relationship with other people. If we've got that photo up, it's um, kind of like, you know, the flower really gets a lot of attention. I just found this on Google, so I don't know what any of those words mean. But, um, you know, it gets a lot of attention. It's got lots of things going on. But really, the roots, even though they're simple, even though they're kind of hidden away in the dark, you know, you can't really see them. They matter, don't they? The roots matter. Because if there ain't no roots, there ain't no shoots. Well, I made that one up on the spot. <laughs> Somebody write that down. Put it in my sermon later. If there ain't no roots, there ain't no shoots. Your, your roots matter. Even though it's hidden, even though it's in the dark, they are so very important. Luke 8 verse 17, it says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Although roots are hidden, the, the quality of them is still shown Above, You know what I'm saying? Our roots matter. What is said, what is done in the dark, what is thought behind closed doors, what is done when no one else is looking, what is deep in our hearts and in our minds actually matters. The attitudes of our hearts matter because, as this verse said, it is made manifest. In other words, it comes out one way or another. Here's another verse. This is um, one of the full-on ones that Jesus says to the Pharisees. Starts off pretty full-on. You brood of vipers. 
How can you, who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Bit of a full-on one. But do you hear what Jesus is saying? What is in your heart is important because it comes out. People around you will, will start to notice. Your relationships will start to suffer or they will start to be blessed and start flourishing depending on what is stored up deep inside of you, in your roots, in the things that no one else sees. We can think that things can, you know, just go sliding under the radar, little thoughts, little lies, a little bit of hatred, you know, a little bit of, of, of anger or violent thoughts or lustful thoughts. We can think they can just slide underneath the radar, but Jesus is saying what's in your heart, it comes out. It's made manifest. People see it. It's, it's brought to light one way or another at some time or another. And so really, by the help of Jesus, we need to kind of do some taming on our roots and and work on that this morning. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to look at a few different areas. And the first area that we're looking at um, to, to find some good roots that are going to help us build good relationships with each other. The first one, and I haven't done points in a while, so just bear with me. They're a little bit, you know, how you going? Um, but the first one is we need to have twinkling thinking. See, it doesn't even rhyme. It's the best I got. We need to have twinkling thinking, not stinking thinking. Who's got some, smell someone else's brain for a second. They got twinkling thinking, stinking thinking. (laughs) No one's smelling people's brain. No, I'm joking. I'm not expecting you to do that. We want to be thinking shiny, twinkling thoughts, right? Not grubby thoughts found in the gutter. Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9. Here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters, that's us. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Super easy. It can be hard, but it is possible. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Oh, that's a good promise right there. You know, we are actually really brought up in a culture that is, let's be real, quite perverted and twisted. The fact that someone could think of, you know, an inappropriate innuendo when talking about relationships and roots, you know what I mean? Like it's, our thinking is a little bit strange. The fact that, you know, you can't really say, that's what she said without someone like having a little giggle, I can't really call my cat a pussycat because people like, you know, have a little bit of a laugh. Like our thinking is really quite twisted. We actually have a very Freudian mindset. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sigmund Freud, but he did a whole lot of um, research and brought about a whole lot of theories that people really, we really have just adopted. One of his main thoughts was that we are inherently sexual beings from birth to death. That everything that happens has got some type of sexual undertone. That it's either building towards it or taking away from it. It was his his big theory. And really, you just turn on the TV and you get that, right? I think we're we're swimming in it sometimes without even realising it. We've just 
embrace what he has said as truth and taken it as a role model. And honestly, some of the ways that he went about getting his research was demonic and absolutely awful. And yet, so many of us just have adopted it because it's what we hear, it's what we see, it's what we're we're shown, it's what we're taught without looking at the weeds and the harm that comes from this type of thinking. Like it's not all rosy flowers. But when it comes to loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, which we are called to do, you know, male and female, brothers and sisters, it sometimes can seem hard in our culture to have a normal relationship with someone of the opposite sex without things seeming like, oh, you know what, they're spending a little bit too much time talking together. Like, oh, what's going on there? They're actually just talking together. Maybe they love each other. You know, like it can just seem like it gets twisted and changed from what it might be quite quickly. I don't know if you've ever found that before. It was a time when I was in reception, like I was probably three or four years old and um, I had a best little buddy who I love so much called Bailey. He was my best friend and we would hang out all the time but, um, but the year was, we had this fence that separated the kindy and the school that he was going to and the kindy that I was at and so we made this little deal, we're like, okay, Every lunchtime, we're going to meet at the gate and we're going to hang out. We're going to have lunch together. We're going to spend some time together. And so every lunchtime, I would go there and I would bring him something weird that I'd made, like, you know, a little toilet paper roll thing with felt on it or something like kids make it in kindy. And he'd be like, oh, that's so nice. And so we'd spend a bit of time. And I remember this one time I'd brought him something and I was standing at the gate and I was waiting for him. But Bailey never showed up. And really, that was probably the first time that I felt this kind of rejection. But that wasn't the worst part. That probably would have been... I probably wouldn't even have remembered it if that was all that it was. But what happened next really, really got me. And I had these group of girls who I thought were really old and really cool. They were probably just in year three. Um, Well, they came up to me standing at the gate with a little thing, toilet paper, thought toilet paper thing that I was holding and they're like who are you waiting for your boyfriend (laughs) just like that it's like it's in my head your boyfriend um and I just remember feeling so much shame like for some reason my my thinking was like that is the worst thing that they could be thinking right now like he is just my friend He's not my boyfriend. Like, I was four years old. I don't even think I was capable of feeling romantic feelings towards anyone as a four-year-old. Yet, they looked at that and they assumed that we were lovers, you know, that we were like, you know, that we were boyfriend and girlfriend when that was not the truth. I just loved him. He was my friend. We were best little buddies. And, And that as a kid, you know, that was the first, I was four years old, that's the first time for me where something was twisted and I wonder if we think back in our lives whether we see that things have also had a, a, a similar effect. It can get so twisted so quick in our sexualized culture. Everything seems to be viewed in the light of this eros love. 
What do I mean by that? There are four types of love in the Greek language. You might have heard them before. We're going to go through them really briefly. First one is philia. It's a love that one has for a friend. Isn't that nice? It's kind of like the, the general type of love that people have for each other. There is storge, which is the love in families. Um, there's this one I just mentioned, eros. It's sexual or romantic love, which is self-seeking. And it's still got a place, but God says that's in marriage. Then there is agape, and agape is one that we probably talk about a lot in church, isn't it? Agape love is the unconditional love that God has for us. It is not self-seeking. It is not for its own interest. It, 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 It gives purely out of love without expecting anything in return. If we were to follow, which sometimes we do, it's almost not even our fault. It's kind of like we've been so brought up into it. And if we just follow in the footsteps of Freud, we would be looking and thinking about everything in this eros love. I'm not talking about, you know, the proper use of eros. That's okay. That's good. It's healthy. It's wanted within a marriage. But to look at everything, everyone, every encounter through eros eyes, It's just not good for us. What would that bring? Much corruption, abuse, trauma, precious women and children being objectified, used and abused. And that was right there at the beginning of Freud's experiments. But also they were there long before. When sin entered the world, there it came. And as Christians, this is not the way that our minds are meant to work. If you struggle with this thinking, which I'm sure there's a whole lot of us who do, if you struggle with this type of thinking, this verse I read before is so important. Do you know that the Word of God is a sword? And that swords are meant to be used, not stored. Swords are meant to be used and not stored. And when God gives us the word. We are not meant to just leave it on the shelf. We are meant to take it. We are meant to use it. We are meant to memorize it. We are meant to claim it. And if you do struggle with this, with lustful thoughts or just a bit of your thinking, you just know this is not aligned in the way that God wants me to be thinking. I challenge you to memorize this verse and to use it every time those thoughts come up to say, no, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I will think about these things. Philippians 4 verse 8. Because what flowers from that thinking, if Jesus says out of the, the heart, the mouth speaks, if we are speaking these things, what does that mean that our heart is full of? It means it's full of the truth, of nobility, of righteousness, of purity, of love, admirability. Is that even a word? Probably not. Maybe. That's the stuff that we want in our heart. You know what I mean? That's the stuff we want to be, be deep in our heart, be these roots that build up our relationships and our friendships with each other. You know, no wonder Paul says straight after that verse, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Because look at the fruit on Paul's life. I would actually say our church is part of the fruit, part of what is, has flowered from dropped depression and picked up life and joy. There has been 
beautiful flowers and fruits from following in the footsteps of Paul, which is ultimately, of course, following in the footsteps of Christ. It builds people up. It brings good and not harm. As Christians, let's purposefully not walk in the footsteps of Freud or in the footsteps of the culture we are immersed in. But I really feel God is saying it's got to be purposeful. We actually got to be thinking about our thinking and apply the Word of God to make a conscious choice, a conscious effort. And who knows, sometimes it is effort to take that sword out and to claim the Word of God and to choose, I am going to follow in the footsteps of my Father. I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Christ and love people the way that He loves people. Not in the light of eros, but in the love of agape, unconditional love, selfless love to other people. We want to think about every precious person from the perspective of heaven, not the perspective of the gutter, right? We want to have twinkling thinking, not stinking thinking. Amen? Amen. So that's the first area of healthy roots for this morning. And the second, another rhyme, you ready? Renewing doing. Somebody say renewing doing. Renewing doing. So we are to think with agape minds, meaning we're meant to think with unconditional love and acceptance. But we should also love and act with unconditional love. John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But what is this use? What is this word here in John 13? Is it eros? Storge? Philia? I hope I pronounced those right. No, it's agape. It would read, a new command I give you, agape one another. As I have agape you, so you must agape one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you agape one another. For people to know that we are the church, that we are Jesus' followers, that we are disciples of Christ, that we are brothers and sisters of Christ, the mark that he has given us is the ability to agape love one another, unconditionally, selflessly love each other other. Here's another one. 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us agape one another. For agape comes from God. Everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. Well, big one. Whoever does not agape does not know God because God is agape. We agape because he first agaped us. Whoever claims to agape God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Agape God, this is full on, whom they have not seen. That's a lot of agape. All right, so those in the family of Christ, look out. There is a lot of agape love coming your way. 
Our call as believers is to love one another the way that Jesus loves us with agape love, to renew our doing, renewing our doing instead of acting the way that we feel or maybe the way that we see others doing or the way that we've been brought up to go back to the Word of God, to witness the way that Jesus loves, loves us and to love people that way, the way that Christ has shown us. Even people who annoy us, right? Even people who get under our skin. We are to love all people in a way that says, I understand that you are precious and that you are made in the image of God. We aren't meant to look or love people for what we can get from them, but simply because God has called and enabled us to love them the way that God has made them. My dad um, once forgot to pick me up from school. Yeah, slightly traumatic experience. But does that mean that he's not my dad anymore? (laughs) No. My sister once went to my neighbor's house and drunk coffee when she was probably like seven years old. And she came back home like buzzing around the room, grabbed some scissors and chopped off half my hair. Not ideal. Does that mean she's not my sister anymore? No. But I feel that... (laughs) It's kind of real that sometimes when someone within the family of God does something that hurts us or frustrates us or says something so insensitive, we can be a little bit quicker to kind of cut them off, distance ourselves from them, put them in a, you know, I don't really like them box. When God calls us to agape them, to love them as we are meant to love our own flesh and blood, we are meant to love each other. How do we do this? Sounds a bit tricky. How do we unconditionally love each other? Well, this is a practical series and we want to break it down even more by having a look at the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13. And take note, right? Every time, let's have it up on the screen. Every time it says love, What Greek word do you think that is? Shout it out, somebody. Agape. You got it. We're on a roll. All right. If I speak in tongues, is that how it begins? Yeah. Of men or of angels, but I do not have love. I do not have agape. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Let's not be resounding gongs or clanging cymbals. Amen? Amen. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Did I mistrust? Always trust. Love never fails. What does unconditional look like, love look like? You could say it looks like handling whatever comes. So if love is patient, that means that love can handle waiting. You get what I'm saying? Love can handle waiting. 
like waiting till marriage to have sex, like being happy and okay with not getting your own way, listening to someone else's no. If love is kind, then love handles flaws and imperfections, having grace when someone else makes a mistake. If love does not envy, then love handles others succeeding. You know, being okay, maybe even being excited if someone else gets the promotion over you or they get that car or the house that you were really wanting. If love is not arrogant, then love handles weakness. What do I mean by that? Like, if you're really good at something and you're like kicking goals and then someone comes along and you need to train them up or they need to do what you're doing and they just, they, you know what I mean, they're just not getting an understanding of it. Sometimes we can be tempted to get angry at people, but love handles weakness. It is still kind and loving towards people. If love does not dishonour others, then love handles sin. Like hearing something, someone say something or doing something that is out of line that you know is not right and instead of going around and gossiping about it to try and, you know, maybe make yourself feel better, actually choosing, as Pastor Josh preached a few weeks ago, to cover that person or, depending on what it is, bring it to a pastor or someone who might, might need to know about it. If love is not self-seeking then love handles not getting something in return. Like giving a compliment or a gift or spending hours helping someone out in their garden and then not having a thank you, you know. Love can handle that. If love is not easily angered, then love handles frustration. Love is able to keep their cool, take a few breaths, throw up a quick prayer instead of getting angry at someone else. If love keeps no record of wrong, then love handles hurt. Rather than writing lists of wrongs that your friends or your boss or your husbands, I may have done that once. (laughs) Just being real. Love doesn't do that though. Love handles hurt instead of writing lists, keeping records of wrong, choosing right then and there in the moment to forgive and give it over to God. If love handle if if love always protects did I say that one? No. If love always protects, then love handles brokenness. Think like the Good Samaritan, you know, seeing someone hurt and broken and choosing to help them rather than walking past them or to bring them to someone who you know can help them, the, the innkeeper that that they need. If love always trusts, and this is a hard one. To be honest, they're probably all hard. I'm really glad we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ living inside of us to help us with all of these. This one's really hard. If love always trusts, then love handles dishonesty. You know, it's tough, but we are talking about unconditional love, right? We're talking about the love that Jesus has for us. Love still loves when someone lies or cheats, or is dishonest. And I know this can be incredibly painful, like in a marriage, and maybe there are boundaries that need to be put in place, but it doesn't mean that love stops loving and that love stops forgiving. Love can handle dishonesty 
We're not talking about our love here. We're not just talking about phila, storge, the, 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 our human understanding of love. We're talking about agape love. Love can handle it. If love always hopes, then love handles doubt and discouragement. Like loving someone even when they don't believe in you. You know, God did. Anyone get that reference? If love also per- always perseveres, then love handles failure. Not turning against someone when they fail to meet a need that you have. You might have expected something from someone, a text from a friend when you were sick. Maybe you're like Holly and you've expected your husband to do the garden for many years. And sorry, I should, I should have brought up my own personal example rather than stealing yours. <laughs> I, I stole it. You know, love can handle that. Love can handle failure. Last one, if love never fails, then love handles everything. Love handles everything. That is agape love. Colossians 3, 8 to 10, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self, right, we've taken it off with its practices and we have put on the new self, which is being renewed, renewing doing. It is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator, all right? So our first point, the first part of a healthy root system that we looked at was twinkling thinking, not stinking thinking. This was the second, renewing doing, loving unconditionally. We're doing all right this morning. Great. What does a healthy root system need? It needs sound ground. It needs, again, that was me trying to rhyme. Here we go. It needs sound round. It sound ground. <laughs> it needs good soil. It needs to be established in something that is going to give it the nutrients that it needs. If you don't want want to be a tumbleweed, if you want to be fruitful and flourishing and flowering, then we need to be planted in sound ground. You know, our verse for the church, we probably should say it more often, Psalm 32 verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, right? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Not those blowing through, dabbling in Jesus here and there. God wants us to be planted. This is a relationship, right? He doesn't just want us like, hey, God, oh, wait, I don't like you anymore. You know, He wants us to be with Him, always rooted and established, planted in the house of the Lord. That's another verse, Ephesians 3.17. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, which of course is the word agape, rooted and established in God's unconditional love that He has for us. When we're planted in the house of the Lord, we are rooted, established in love. And that is the key to having healthy, flourishing relationships with each other. It comes back down to the soil. It comes back down to having the sound ground of Jesus Christ that does not waver, that does not fail, that does not have earthquakes. It stays solid, sound ground forever. It's a love that we can thrust our roots deep into. It's a love of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. You know, to finish off that Vespa story, um, you may be wondering, did I buy the bike? No. <laughs> I thought, you know, if, if God was to speak to me and like some, some signs, this is probably...
I wish I had to pay for it. Uh, not the whole bike, just the, the cost of the repairs, <laughs> which was still a lot. Um, but, you know, I had to handle the cost. And maybe you look at some of your past relationships or the way that you have loved brothers and sisters, family, other people, and you see that there are scratches all over. You recognise that you have grabbed hold of it wrong and it has gone flying and gotten scratched up and, and mugged up and there is a cost that needs to pay for that. But you know, we are children of a really good Father. He handles the cost. Jesus handles the cost of all our mistakes, relationship mistakes, but any other mistakes that we made as well or that we make now or we continue to make. He handles it. He handles the cost. Love handles the cost of our mistakes. We have an unconditional love. Jesus says, I'll handle your sin. I'll handle your mistakes. Jesus says, I've got it. I'll pay for that. You know, it's not just about us trying to, trying our hardest to get a handle on love. It's actually about letting love handle us. It's not just about trying to get a really good grip on love, although God wants us to, to, to strive and to rely on Him to do that, but it's about letting love get a grip on you, letting love get a grip on your heart, letting love handle your heart. 1 John 4.19, we love because Christ first loved us. And who is love? We know it is Jesus Christ. God is agape. He is love. If love handles brokenness, if love handles mistakes, if love handles failure, if love handles sin, that means that Jesus handles mistakes. He handles our failure. He handles our sin. He handles our wrongdoing. Jesus handles the cost. He handles it all. This morning, will you let Him handle you? Will you let Him have a grip on your heart? The agape love of God. And I pray that all the other stuff will just drop off us after God has got a grip on us. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to do a few altar calls and we're going to do them somewhat quickly. <laughs> but the first one relates to the first point about stinking thinking. And maybe you're like, all right. I do. I acknowledge I got some stinking thinking and I need to bring that in alignment with God and the way that He thinks. I want my mind to be renewed, to be like that of Christ. So with no one looking around, with every eye closed in this place, if this morning you're saying to God, help me, I want that, that sparkling, twinkling thinking. I want to think the way that you think not stinking thinking. This morning, if that's you this morning and you want your mind to be renewed, will you just pop a hand up or a hand out in front of you and let's ask God together just to renew our minds, get our thoughts, whack them into alignment. Sometimes they, like I said, are a bit hard to handle, but you know, God can handle them. He can help us with that. So let's pray together. Father, for everyone who's reaching out right now saying, yeah, I, I recognize that my thoughts aren't always the way that I'm meant to be thinking. I've either got lustful thoughts, prideful thoughts, thoughts that are just stinking 
Father, we just thank You that You have filled us up with Your Holy Spirit and that we're not just trying to do this by ourselves, that You give us the ability through Your Spirit and through Your Word to fight and battle and and win against all those wrong thinking. And I just ask, Lord, for every person here this morning who's reaching out, that they'll feel Your Spirit empower them. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that, that You'll help them to remember the words and to use that sword when those thoughts come up and to be able to have their thoughts come into alignment right now in Jesus' Name of the way that You think about others. And I also pray, Lord, the way that you think about them, that Lord, that will come into alignment with you, with your truth in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. The second one is renewing doing. And if you recognise there are some people that you are finding it really hard to forgive, there's been some hurts in your life, some wounds in your life, and you're like, I need to forgive him, but I'm finding it so hard. Well, let's just pray this morning that God will help us to have agape, unconditional love to people. And if that's you this morning and you need that, you need to ask God to help you with that, let's just reach out our hands this morning and pray together. Father God, we pray right now. We thank you, Jesus, that even the people who have hurt us the most, that they are still made in your image. They may have done wrong decisions and and chosen things that are not good and that are not of you. But Lord, I thank you that we can still love and forgive them and that you empower us to do so. And I pray, Father, for everyone who's reaching out and struggling with this, that you they will feel the Holy Spirit empowerment to love, not their love, not a love that is just from earth, but a love that is from the heavens. Help them, Lord Jesus, to love right now. I just pray that, that any bondage of bitterness will break in the name of Jesus. I pray that any bondage of unforgiveness right now will drop in the name of Jesus. You have given us the ability to love because we love because You first loved us. So right now I pray, Lord, that You will help these beautiful people to forgive, to love and to treat those around them. All of us, help us, Lord, please, to love people the way that You love them. In Jesus' Name we pray. Now, Sort of the last one. Last one's going to be, if you haven't given your life to Jesus before, we want to give that call every single week. But the last one is to let love handle you. You know, when we have made mistakes, when we look back and we see our life and the places we've crashed and got bunged up and scratches all over, we can really feel that we're not deserving of unconditional love. We really feel that God probably pulls back from us because we feel like we would pull back from ourselves. But let me tell you, God does not love the way that you love. He loves. He is love. He loves unconditionally. He loves selflessly. And we know that by His demonstration of love on the cross where He gave His life for us whilst we were still sinners. He died and rose again, putting our sin, putting the devil underneath His feet. He loves you. And if you're struggling right now, again, with eyes closed, if you're struggling to believe that love, that God loves you, if you're struggling, but this morning you want to let love just grip you, to grab hold of you, will you reach out your hands this morning? Good thing that Jesus is here, hey? Two or more are gathered, there He is in the midst. You're not reaching out to no one. You're reaching out to Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul, the one who died and rose again for you. You are reaching out to Him. 
And He's reaching out to you. Let me tell you that. So this morning, if you want to let God have a grip on you, to grip you, to hug you, to bring you in, to love you unconditionally. All we need to do is believe, the Bible says, to believe and receive. So let's reach out our hands if that's you this morning. Father, I pray for all those who have stuffed up in their life. That's all of us, Lord. Sometimes we struggle to believe your love is actually unconditional. But Lord, I just pray that you'll break through any lies of the enemy right now in Jesus' name and that you'll speak to every individual here today and grip a hold of them so tight on their heart. Lord, I pray that they will feel your unconditional love, that they this morning will believe and receive. It is true. You have handled the cost of our sins and you choose to trust and love and honour and handle us despite our flaws and weaknesses. You are so good. Your love is so good. We thank you, Jesus. And this morning, if you have never given your life to Jesus, if you have never allowed your roots to be planted in the sound ground of Jesus Christ, maybe you're watching online and you're saying, yes, I I want that. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a part of this family of believers that's all filled with agape love. Then this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and then I'm going to pray a really quick prayer. And if you repeat that prayer in your heart, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And so if that's you this morning, will you raise a hand up this morning? It's a sign to Jesus saying, yes, I want to be rooted and established in your love. I want to be a Christian and I want to invite you right now into my heart. Right now, Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Will you pray with me in your heart or out loud? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your agape love, your unconditional love. I know that I am nowhere near perfect. I've made mistakes. I have sinned. But I know that your forgiveness covers that. And I ask for your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Come into my heart. Make me new. Renew my thinking, renew my doing. I want to be a Christian and in a relationship with you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, that is the most exciting thing you can ever do. It's giving your life over to Jesus and it's beginning this relationship with Him. This morning we're going to sing and it's a beautiful song. It's about coming back to the altar. Is that what we're singing? Yeah, so good. So let's let's bring it all to Jesus. He's here with us. He loves us. How good was the message this morning? We really hope it was able to resonate with you. If it did, feel free to head to our website at life.house, head to the My Response tab and tell us all about it. We're so happy that you're able to join us online today. We do miss you. We hope you are here in person next time. But next week, Sunday at 10am, we hope to see your smiling faces here. Until then, see ya.